0: It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Cade. It's a story many of us in Franklin County have become quite familiar with. In the early morning hours of July 30th, 1864, the residents of Chambersburg were awakened by the firing of six cannon rounds into the city. By the day's end, most of the town would be burned to the ground. Earlier that summer, Union General David Hunter had permitted his troops to loot and burn private property in the Shenandoah Valley. To retaliate, Confederate General Jubal Early came to the conclusion that, quote, it was time to open the eyes of the people of the North to this enormity, by example, in the way of retaliation. Early decided that Chambersburg, Pennsylvania would be the object of his retribution. First though, he would give its residents the chance to hand over $100,000 in gold or $500,000 in currency to compensate the people in the Shenandoah Valley for the loss of their homes. Much more has been said of the military maneuvering that led to the burning of Chambersburg, but today we hear the story from the perspective of the town's citizens who watched in disbelief at the destruction before them. Here with us today, we have one of our favorite guests, Anne Hull from the Franklin County Historical Society. Thank you for being with us today, Anne. Thank you for inviting me back. The title of your program is what?
1: The title of the program is an exhibit I have um, at the old jail, um, and it's called Faces of Heroes, Warriors, Angels, and Survivors. So we can back up a little bit and include some in, uh, some warriors um, who s- are really soldiers who fought in that time period, and then we transferred. Pose into the the burning of Chambersburg. Okay. So this exhibit is uh, based on um, images that I found in cells mm-hmm. several years ago, and they were connected to um, stories by way of old diaries and newspapers and books. So I put all these together for an exhibit. It's a permanent exhibit at the old jail, and it highlights um, the faces of people Uh, as they go through tragedy, bravery, kindness, and survival. Um, The um, exhibit also features some of the artifacts from that time period, and um, the characters' faces are so somber from that time period, uh, it just reflects what people had been going through.
0: Now, were these images taken before or after the,
1: uh... the? They're daguerreotypes. They're taken from that time period.
0: Right, but before the burning of Chambersburg, or
1: a couple before, but mostly after. Okay. Um, so I wanted to start um, to talk a little bit about the warriors first, okay. and we have um, several men from Chambersburg who were part of the Chambers Artillery. Um, they were formed in the 1850s, but actually mustered in 18, uh, April 15, 1861. Um, they were part of three companies attached to the 2nd Regiment of Volunteers. They were led by Colonel Peter Hausam. Um, at the outbreak of the war, he was the junior member of the firm of TB Wood and Hausam, and they manufactured 10-plate stoves. After the three-month service um, expired, he enlisted again and joined the 77th Regiment, and he was chosen as lieutenant colonel. He fell mortally wounded at the Battle of Stone River um, on December 31, 1862, and he died the next morning. His body was brought back to Chambersburg, and he's buried at Cedar Grove Cemetery. So this is the beginning of 1863, and it was a very somber occasion in Chambersburg, as the only events were funerals. Mm. Um, John Stoner was another soldier He was part of that three-month group Who joined in April of 61 He also re-enlisted With the 77th He became the chief musician And fought at the Battle of Stone River When Colonel Housem fell Major Stoner helped to retrieve his body So it could be brought back For burial Major Stoner miraculously survived With no wounds And he lived to be in his 80s and the town of Chambersburg presented a drum to him on his 80th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the other men I might mention, a, a Sergeant Henry Strickler of Greencastle, he fought in the local 126th. He was wounded in the left arm at the Battle of Fredericksburg in 1862, and it required amputation. Um, during the invasion of uh, '63, he was standing in front of his Greencastle home, and a Confederate passing by attempted to steal his hat, and Strickler quickly removed it and told the soldier, "You took my arm at Fredericksburg, but I'll be Go ahead. damned if you'll take my hat." <laughs> So the Confederate noticed his empty sleeve, and he continued on.
0: That's an interesting story. Yeah.
1: There are a couple of other stories about spies and soldiers, but I kind of wanted to um, focus more on um, the actual day and what happened. Okay. Um, And I'll start with the angels. The angels of mercy in the hospitals, it's the title of a chapter from Jacob Hoke's book, which is the book, Um, on the uh, Civil War from a perspective of Chambersburg. Um, This one chapter, Angels of Mercy, was written by Martha Jane Gilmore Nixon. The work done by the women of Chambersburg to alleviate the sufferings of the sick and wounded, whether Union or Confederate, was recorded for posterity. She lists all the women involved and all the garment items and the food they made and supplied to the hospitals. The Chambersburg Academy, which is now on um, Queen and 3rd Street. It's known as Central, and it's being restored. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second one was the King Street School. It became the King Street School Hospital. It was built in 1857, uh, but it was uh, destroyed, torn down in 1960, and replaced. So we don't have that piece of history, Mm -hmm. which is kind of sad. Mm -hmm. And then Franklin Hall which is where the trust company is today and of course um that was burned on the on july 30th
0: so there were three hospitals
1: there were three hospitals plus a, a couple of doctors had hospitals in their homes
0: and they were all servicing wounded soldiers mostly
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: so this union was,
1: and confederate
0: really mm-hmm. and once a confederate soldier was treated what was
1: I'll cool. get into that okay. story. All right, okay, sorry. go ahead. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Martha Jane. She was a uh, an educated woman. She did a lot of writing. Um, she didn't live very long. She was only 57 when she died, and she lived in the house where um, across from the post office. Um, I forget the name of what's in there now, but it's up on the hill. It's the White mm-hmm, House. Mm-hmm. Very and nice she house. Her, she and her husband built that house. Oh, interesting. And so. Um, They lost a son because the railroad went right through there. You know, the railroad, because the railroad went right through 3rd Street and where the public opinion had been. That Mm -hmm. was the passenger station. Her son was killed accidentally. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I don't know that maybe that had something to do with her early death. Anyway, to continue with what um, she's writing um, in this uh, book, that she concludes there was a tremendous amount of red tape in getting anything from the government um, to pay for their expenses. She also writes that she remembered 13 chickens that were stewed at her house, a bushel of sweet potatoes, and one of her neighbors um, made hot cornbread and frozen custard for 80 men at the academy. Now, that Mm -hmm. was the building on Queen Street. So for three years, the women continued their work. Included with these angels are some of the doctors who were pressed into duty. Dr. Samuel Lane, who was chosen at the beginning of the Civil War by Governor Curtin to be the surgeon of the 5th Pennsylvania Reserves, becoming Assistant Surgeon General of Pennsylvania by an act of Congress. Um, a couple other doctors were Dr. Jacob Susseret. He conducted a hospital from his home on the corner of Main and Washington Streets. That did not burn. That's where the fire stopped on the day that really? Chambersburg burned. And the fi- and the house is still there. I think it's just had a a, a coat of paint. It's on the um, southwest corner of Washington and Main Streets. Okay. The so Souserot House. Is it the Souserot House? The Souserot um, uh, I think there's a Pennsylvania... Um,
2: yeah, there's a historical marker, marker there, right? Marker there, yes.
1: Yeah. yes. So that's where the fire ended. Um, Dr. Senseny was another... Uh, Dr. A.H. Senseny, there were several Sensenys who were doctors. Mm-hmm. And he was in charge of the King Street School Hospital. And he saw to it that the wounded uh, Colonel Benjamin Carter, the Confederate who was left in New Franklin after the Battle of Gettysburg, he was, they brought him back and dropped him off at a farm mm. um, on the way back. Um, and Dr. Senseny went out to the farm and brought him back to the King Street School Hospital, but he died like three months or three weeks later. Mm -hmm. There was a tremendous amount of controversy as to where to bury the Confederate colonel. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to give up their plot for the Confederate. So eventually, uh, a Methodist gave up his plot, and the Methodist Cemetery is today about where the First United Methodist Church is, on 2nd Street. It's to the right of that. There was a house there, that has been torn down in the past year. And we think he was buried there. And when St. Paul Methodist Church um, decided to rebuild in 1896, they sold that cemetery plot to the United Brethren, today the United Methodists, and they moved all the remains up to Cedar Grove. So we assume that Confederate Colonel Benjamin Carter has been moved to that area. And within the past several years, a gravestone has been placed there um, with all the flags, the Confederate flag and the, the um, you know, our American flag. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was, it's being taken care of by the daughters of the Confederacy. Okay. Um, another doctor at, who, who was in Chambersburg was Dr. J.C. Richards. He was in charge of the hospital um, on the staff of the Surgeon General in 1863 during one incident his home was on south main street um major todd who was mary lincoln's brother was in town and he accosted dr richards by attempting to force an entrance into the cellar of dr richards home but dr richards daughter she was pretty uh sharp and she um brandished an axe over his head wow yeah and threatened to split it open if he persevered with this pl- uh, plunder so the house on South Main Street, it was burned later, but we had some pretty sharp, aggressive women back then.
0: <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah.
1: Um, so let me talk about some of the survivors okay. um, of the burning. Um, Jacob Hoke, in his book, writes, We were misled by assurances of safety. He recounts the experiences of the individuals on the fateful day, July 30th, 1864. Many incidents transpired, which will show the resourcefulness and courage of the people of Chambersburg. On the morning of the 30th, um, David Brand took the flag that had been hanging on the mansion house, which was on the diamond. Do you know where the diamond Mm -hmm. is, right? I always refer, everybody refers to that today as the square. Mm -hmm. And um, it was always called the, the diamond in the 1800s, so I still call it the diamond. Anyway, David Brand, took down the flag that was hanging there uh, in front of the mansion house to his home on Queen Street because he wanted to save it. His sister, Louisa, took it and wrapped it around her and with a revolver in her hand stood in the front door of the house and dared any rebel to fire the house or disturb the flag. Next door to it, on the corner where the Shook home owns the stone building on the corner of Queen and 2nd Street and that was where the Brand Hotel was. was um their house was to the left of that on queen street their house was not burned because she stood there with her revolver mm. but the brand hotel it was not burned but the third story happened to be scorched from other houses mm-hmm. next door to it so anyway um she was able to save her house by doing that um i can tell you a little bit about elizabeth thurborough siebert she lived on East Queen Street, approximately where the Trinity Episcopal Church is. And one of the rebels helped her to remove her furniture out in the grass or whatever mm-hmm. was there, and then they burned her house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a mixed message. <laughs> yeah. They were um, thoughtful. <laughs> <Rebel
2: Street. laughs> kind of.
1: <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people lost their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, Moses Fultz ran the printing house, and he was forced to do printing for the Confederates. J. McDowell Sharp and T.B. Kennedy, who were prominent attorneys, among six others, were taken prisoners on the day of the burning by um, Colonel Gilmore, Harry Gilmore. He was not well liked. Gilmore demanded 500,000 of them, or he would send them to Libby Prison. Taken to General McCausland, they declared they didn't have 500,000 cents, whereby General Early's order to burn the town would be carried out. The men were released and were told to uh, report to the courthouse, but of course they didn't. So within hours, the town was inflamed. Um, T.B. Kennedy lost his home, and that today is where the um, Chambersburg Men's Club stands on Lincoln Way East. Okay. And um, J. McDowell Sharp, I believe his home was on um, Lincoln Way to the right of um, the. The Nixon House, I was telling you, like diagonally across from um, the post office, and that house is still, you know, being lived in today.
2: The yellow that, house over there. Yes,
1: and that is kind of where that's kind of where the the um, the fire stopped. Um, on the other corner, where the post office is, it was up on a hill, and it was torn down in the um, 1960s, I believe. Um, to make way for the post office, because there were all four hou- all four houses on those corners were up on a hill, mm-hmm. because um, Lincoln Way had not been cut in, mm. and so houses were built up on that had been known as Gallows Hill to begin with, called Gallows Hill because there were several three men who were hanged one behind um, the Nixon House, one or two behind there, and one or two over where. Um, Dennis DeLoretto's offices. Mm-hmm. That was all known as Gallows Hill. Anyway, that was in the late 1700s. Now, so in, regards, moving
0: on. in regards to the money, uh, I read, and tell me if this is correct, that the, the money was moved out of Chambersburg Banks for fear that the Confederates would come in and do this exact thing. I
1: think they did. I think they were. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have we now have the chest on exhibit where it was the, belonged to the cashier of the bank, mm-hmm. and he saw to it that money was being moved to Philadelphia over a period of time. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't a lot of money here. Things were moved around, and it's not like everything was burned because um, records still exist at the courthouse from mm-hmm. 1784. Mm-hmm. I can find deeds or I can find wills at the courthouse before 1864. Mm-hmm. So some of those things were taken out
2: of the courthouse
1: and saved. You no, know, whether they were taken f- out of uh, the county or taken to Philadelphia or Harrisburg, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But we still have access to those things now.
0: And another but thing I, mean, I heard is that the citizens didn't take the threat seriously. Th- I that. don't think they did. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I don't think they did. Uh, you know, based on what I've read and what I'm going to be telling you, they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't really think. But there were. There's another. Um, exhibit at the Monocacy Battlefield right now, we've loaned them some items, and it's called Rebels, Ransom, and Retribution. Mm -hmm. And Hagerstown, Middletown, and Frederick, Maryland paid the ransom. Chambersburg is the only town that did not. And so this whole exhibit revolves around these four towns. Okay, I'd like to mention the Honorable A.K. McClure, and I'm sure you've heard of him. You've probably read about him. He was a major supporter of Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. He's the one who got him elected from Pennsylvania. Mm. He was, you know, and he was a strong abolitionist. His home was where the Wilson campus is today. It was called Norland, and it was burned. He was not at home that day, but his wife, Matilda, was. Mrs. McClure, Mrs. McClure, Matilda, was in bed and she was ill. But a Captain Smith, a Confederate, told her she would have 10 minutes to get out of the house. And that's all the time they gave her. And he plundered various items from the house. He took her jewelry, he took her silver, he took a lot of things. Um, with the help of family and friends, she walked to within three miles of Shippensburg. Being Wow. Ill. Yeah. Well, there was a group of them. Um, one of the famous artists uh, famous artists from the Impression, Impressionist period um, was Daniel Ridgway Knight. Do you know about yes, him? Yes, I know that name. Mm-hmm. You know the name? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we've just been able to acquire one of the paintings really? of the burning of Chambersburg. Yes. Amazing. Yes, I'm so pleased with this. <laughs> anyway, he was one of the, in the group, um, Daniel Ridgway Knight was carrying a child of uh, Dr. James Hamilton. James Hamilton was a surgeon, and he had been captured he spent time in Libby prison also, so Mrs. Hamilton was there. their house was burned um, they had they had a long, young child, so Daniel Ridgeway Knight was in Chambersburg. Um, he was born at so, where Seller's funeral home is now oh really okay
0: mm-hmm. hometown and hero he,
1: well he didn't stay here too long. he was a child prodigy mm-hmm. you know and they saw his parents saw to it that he went to um, art school in Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, anyway, he was one of the group. With Mrs. Hamilton, her child, Daniel Ridgway Knight, um, and Mrs. McClure, and they all walked to three miles within Shippensburg mm-hmm. to get away. A lot of people had relatives. Shippensburg, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. And, you know, after the burning, they didn't have anything, so they had to get out so of town. So was end.
0: Shippensburg kind of a sanctuary at that time? It was. Mm-hmm. That was one place that, that Why didn't Jubal went. Early have his eye on Shippensburg?
1: I don't know that. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the answer to that. Um, I still think it was in retaliation, Chambersburg was in retaliation for Hunter's, what Hunter did Mm -hmm. in the Shenandoah Valley. Mm -hmm. I I still think that. Um, Can I do a couple more stories? Please. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have a little red chest, which we have loaned to Monocacy Battlefield. It held the remains of a 20-month-year-old. Her name was Mary Jane Lohr, and she died on the day before, on July the 29th. The family lived at the tollgate house north of town, across from where the Mennonite Church is. The tollgate was there. Um, They wished to bring her body back to Chambersburg for a proper Christian burial. General McCausland refused and said he had more pressing business than burying the dead. So um, Mrs. McClure suggested that they bury her under an apple tree in the yard, and that's what they did. And then after the Confederates left, they brought her in back into town and mm-hmm. buried her in the church graveyard. I have yet to find her grave. I think it is at First United Methodist now. I'm not sure about mm-hmm. that. Um, another story comes from Lavinia Culbertson. Her home was on the corner of King and Main. And that would be the north um, west corner. I think there's um, a taekwondo, yeah, taekwondo there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was where the Culberson home was, and it was burned. Lavinia came back to recover the silver that had been buried in the basement of the house right before the burning. Um, she returned and retrieved it after the war and carried it across. The, she moved across the country for 100 years. It, her descendants had it. Um, And finally, one of her descendants contacted me um, about early 2000s. She was in California and this is her granddaughter and said, I think I have the silver from the burning of Chambersburg. Do you want it? It has, yes, of course (laughs) I want it. So we have that on exhibit too. I think I might have loaned that to the Monocacy battlefield also. Um, Rachel Bowman was a college-educated woman who came to Pennsylvania. She was from Canada, and she met her husband, Samuel Cormany, at a college in uh, Ohio, and he was from Franklin County. Um, They moved here and lived with his mother and stepfather, and then when he enlisted, she moved to town. I don't think she got along with her in-laws, so she moved to town. And she and her husband, we have the Cormany Diaries, And she and her husband wrote back and forth Mm -hmm. during this whole period. And I have something that she wrote about um, July the 30th. Um, Oh, the 30th of July, 1864, was a sad day to the people of Chambersburg. In most of the cases where the buildings were left, money was paid. I'm not sure she knows about that. I'm not sure that's true. They were here, too. We told them we were widows, and that saved us here. <laughs> About 3,000 were made homeless in less than three hours. This whole week has been one of great excitement. We live in constant dread. I never spend such days as these few last I never spent. I feel as if I could not stay in this country any longer. I feel quite sick of the dread and excitement. Well, her husband made it back, Mm -hmm. um, but they did not stay here. They moved west to Missouri. Yeah, she sounds
0: like she's had enough and let's get out of here. Yeah, this was too much
1: much for her. So the next person I want to talk about is a very famous name, Wanamaker. Okay. Do you know that name?
0: I can't say I do.
1: Okay, well, we'll talk (laughs) about Wanamakers who moved to Chambersburg from Philadelphia around 1860. Nelson Wanamaker was a brickmaker with his son Wilson, William. But he had another son named John. He was okay. an entrepreneur at the famous Wanamaker Stores of Philadelphia. Okay. Everyone, knew. If you lived back then, you would know about Wanamaker Stores. <laughs> sure, sure. Anyway, Nelson was here with his one son. And he built Wanamaker Row. There are townhouses on Lincoln Way, they're still standing. And they are on the corner of 4th and Lincoln Way, right before you get to the High Line. If you notice, as you're coming into town, you'll see four townhouses right in a row. And that, that, they were known as the Wanamaker townhouses. So they're still standing, <clears throat> and they survived the burning. Nelson did not. He committed suicide on, I think he lived on 2nd Street. He commi- committed suicide during the war, 1862, his wife's brother was Will Kokersberger, and he was of the 20th Pennsylvania Cavalry. He was on duty at, uh, he was, I guess, on detached duty from Couch's headquarters. He was visiting the family in Chambersburg. He was disguised in civilian clothing, but a Confederate found his uniform in a hotel trunk and he confined Will Kokersberger to a burning house he was one of those who escaped through a window and he also walked to, to Shippensburg by midnight hmm. that day. So he was one of them that, were, that had been saved and he was a soldier, mm-hmm. but I think he was here just visiting the family, mm-hmm. the Wanamaker family. Um, Ellen Wunderlich-Need was active in the Ladies' Aid Society and she was the manager of the King Street School Hospital. She had written a letter to a friend, uh, Mary Eliza, who was in Philadelphia at the time um, of the burning. And the Need House was on Lincoln Way to the right of the courthouse annex. I'm not sure if the building's standing today, but she wrote this letter. Can I read the letter? Yes, please do. Okay, well, Dear Miss Mary Eliza, August 1st, 1864, the ruins of Chambersburg. The rebels have been, and we are ruined, our house, and all it contained is in ashes. We moved most of our clothing, but all of the furniture is burnt. It is enough to break anybody's heart to witness the destruction. From Ben Chambers' house on um, North Main Street to Dr. Susserich's, there are only four houses standing, and these four houses are known, they're still standing today. Mm-hmm. Um, they're together, and they're on South Main Street. You probably know about those four houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but, but part of it. Um, there were some of the noblest men among the rebels, where they were ordered to fire the buildings they refused and set to aid the people in removing their goods and putting out the fire. They set the courthouse on fire with kerosene from Gerberich's store and bundles of straw. You cannot imagine anything so fearful as the courthouse when burning. I am so thankful I did not see my home burning. People that it would have been an insult to offer anything to come for their rations, which are distributed from our warehouse. Um, They had a warehouse over where um, United Towers is now, and obviously it survived, or part of it did, because that's where the rations were. Uh, Mrs. Wallace's house, splendid house, is burned. The McClures are burned out too. Mrs. McClure and Jimmy Orr and the rest of their family walked within three miles of Shippensburg. They didn't burn any of the railroad buildings, nor the warehouses. Um, Seven hotels, all except Browns, are gone. Two churches, Cedar Church and the Bethel Church. We did not know what to do. We had no warning. We had about 15 minutes to get our things out. The rebels were not in our home. We locked it up when we left. Papa broke a window out to get himself out. Colonel Austin shot a rebel major on Reasoner's steps on Saturday. He was thought to be Harry Gilmore, next to McCausland, the head devil among them all. Actually, it wasn't Harry Gilmore. <laughs> I don't know who he shot, but I do remember reading a story about a rebel being shot, put in a wheelbarrow, and carried around Chambersburg to someplace. I don't know if he was dropped off on King Street or wherever. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, Andy Miller shot two rebels and let them burn up. Good for them. They burned the academy. Now, the academy was where Central is today. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she just goes on and talks about how upset people were and what what they lost. And she talks about where she's going. They're going to Harrisburg. And she blames it all on um, Couch because he wasn't here. And she says, there couldn't have been more than 600 Confederates, and it's Couch's fault. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just an original letter from yeah. that time period. It's, it's a really it's really good letter. That's very interesting. So um, how much more sadness do you want to hear? <laughs> <laughs> I have one more, but I just want to tell you that, uh, about the Cree family. They lived on um, right around here on West Queen Street. Mm. Um, John Cree wrote a letter on August 2nd 1864 to his sons and he talked about he wrote about how he walked through the town and he couldn't see where the streets were he couldn't define the streets from the houses everything he finally found West Queen Street where he lived Mm -hmm. um, but he couldn't define where his house was everything was in ashes Mm -hmm. all around so it it must have been a terrible thing. So, is that enough sadness? Do you want to hear <laughs> now the let's couple? keep going.
0: This is all about sadness. Well, do you yeah. have any uplifting stories for I us? I do. Great. Don't you want to hear that? I sure do.
1: Okay. The good news is three babies were born on that day. Oh, wow. Margareta Hug, Sherman Gibbs, and Emily Maurer. Margareta Hug was born on East Market Street. That was close to the High Line, too. Um, There was a problem trying to find Dr. Boyle on that day and he was found at Cedar Grove Cemetery where most of the people had fled to get away from the flames and the smoke. Mm -hmm. There was a whirlwind, the smoke was, and so that's where they went. Margareta was the daughter of Casper Hug who enlisted in the service with the 21st Cavalry. But he died three months later. Sustaining a fatal injury by the kick of a horse while he was encamped at Back Creek, which was just west of town, so he never lived to see mar mm-hmm. born and Sherman well now we 're back <clears> to
0: sad <throat> again i'm sorry well keep going. Uh, okay
1: let 's try another <laughs> uplifting story. Um, Sherman Gibbs was born in Cedar Grove Cemetery, and he was named. W. T. S. Gibbs. Do you know what that stands for?
0: William Tecumseh Sherman. You got it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. But he, went,
1: <laughs> but he went by Sherman. Sure. The thing is, he, his mother, he was born there, right? Mm-hmm. His parents and he are buried there also. Oh, Let's that's fascinating. Oh, no, that's not too sad, no. is it? It's a okay. cycle of life. Okay, anyway. And I'm not quite sure where Emily Maurer was born. I have to do some research to find mm-hmm. out about that. Um, And I wanted to kind of um, end this with something that Martha Jane Nixon wrote. I think she wrote this in 1884 in the Angels of Mercy chapter from the book Mm -hmm. that Jacob Hoke um, wrote. When blackened walls and hearthstones were all that remained of our homes, when sad memories of the past were of hourly occurrence, when the problem of how to keep the wolf from the door was ever pressing upon us, and the people had not bread to eat. We bury the wrongs of the past, and we gratefully remember those who came to our relief in our time of need." Mm. So within two years, I kind of end this with the Phoenix rising. Within two years, Chambersburg is rebuilding. New homes are being uh, built. New industries are being built. And by um, 1878, the um, fountain is in, and um the rebel is still standing watch to the south waiting or the confederate union soldiers (laughs) still waiting uh looking south waiting for the return of the confederates
0: fascinating those are some Mm -hmm. wonderful stories i mean yes some of them are definitely heartbreaking but very interesting so the reconstruction i mean how quickly did it get going
1: well i think it got going right away i'll tell you Mm -hmm. why i think that is one of my ancestors came from Lurgan Township in 1864. He moved to Chambersburg, and one of the reasons he moved, because he was a carpenter and a builder,
0: mm-hmm. there was and he
1: made, he made a lot of money. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier that the fire stopped at certain fixed points. You mentioned some homes where the, well, the, the fire <laughs> just stopped before it got to them, and...
1: It didn't get as far north as uh, the Presbyterian Church, but it did get to that corner Mm -hmm. on North Main Street. Most of Main Street to Washington um, on both sides of the street, except for the four houses. Queen Street was completely gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, East and, you know, part of West Queen. Um, Not so much Washington Street. Um, A little bit of Washington Street, because I know that's where Dr. Senseny lived and he claimed he had a civil war damage claim for his dwelling we have on microfilm all the civil war damage claims of the Mm -hmm. county Mm -hmm. not just 1864 but prior to that Um, and um, because i was able to have uh, an intern from ship the other year who helped me with this and we chose um, chambersburg because we felt that was the most important because that's where the burning was. Right. And so there were all these claims to the government mm-hmm. for destruction. The state did pay some claims. The federal government never paid anything. And so uh, so we have lists of all these people who lost their homes, but I didn't bring it with me today. I, I don't have that with me.
0: And so were the Confederates... Hindering efforts by the townspeople to put out the fire, I mean, I imagine I think the, they were. yeah, some people got to work right it's away it's trying to, you know, contain it.
1: They couldn't contain it. So
0: they they just, it had to burn it. and that was it.
1: Yeah, yes, people mm-hmm. scattered. I know people went to Cedar Grove. They went to McClellan's house, which is the one I was telling you about where the post office is today. Ellen McClellan was a um, she was a very aggressive woman for her time. She confronted General Lee when he was here in 1863. Um, she went out to Mr. Smith's Woods and confronted him um, because he was, his men were taking everything. You know, they, d- they wouldn't have anything, any sources of food left for the winter because his men were taking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think she, she got somewhere with him. And then in 1864, um, when, when they came to burn her house, a lot of people went to her house and she took them in Mm -hmm. and um when the rebels confronted her i mean she just talked back to them and said you know you can burn my house my my husband has money and we can build another one but these poor people can't so why don't you just leave awesome and and they did they they left left. and so the fire didn't get any farther than you know the the homes that were standing Mm -hmm. um on the corner of Lincoln Way and 3rd Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
0: was downtown thriving, bustling, how would you describe? Chambersburg
1: was a bustling town, mm-hmm. more so than Gettysburg.
0: Well, which <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what was driving that uh driving the economy?
1: There were a lot of little industries. People mm-hmm. had on the main street, you know, there were jewelry stores and all kinds of hardware stores and and um you know, I know my great great grandfather had a hardware store on uh, the corner of Queen and Main Street, which was burned. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are yeah a lot of lot of stores, a lot of farms in the area. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: I would think agriculture would be the real it was. driver it of was. the economy. Now, did the Confederates fan out into the countryside and kind of loot the farms, or
1: I don't think so. No, mm-hmm. I don't believe they did some not so much in 1864. In 1863, when they were here, they did.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so the way you describe the economy of downtown Chambersburg, it sounds like a ripe target for Jubal Early's. And, I, and uh, they,
1: I guess, they thought that the money was here. Yeah. You know when it actually wasn't.
0: Yeah, it been moved out.
1: Mm-hmm. But the
0: other communities had the money, like Hagerstown that you mentioned. If they
1: had, they 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 found it. If they didn't have it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
1: I'm hoping to have the curator of that exhibit uh, come to speak of at our one of our meetings cool. uh, and t- tell us a little bit more about um, how, how what the process was in Hagerstown, in Middletown, and in Frederick. Uh, you know, because they did pay the ransom. Now, was so, that
0: Jubal Early there threatening now,
1: them? I'm not sure. That's what I'm. I, that's what I that like to That might be find interesting out.
0: to find out because if he was there, it may have been a different decision. Right. He may have been more heartless right. and said no. We're, we're, it's not enough money or whatever the condition that wasn't met you had a question well
2: there. yeah tell us about these meetings too how can people uh, attend these meetings
1: you need to join the historical society <laughs> Franklin <laughs> County historical society yeah. just get on our website or I just mean this call is fascinating or, stuff so I, yeah. I'm sure
2: yeah, people I, will I'm want to I'm pretty
1: sure our applications on the website on our website okay. uh, franklinhistorical.org
0: great mm-hmm. okay. yeah so and you've also thrown out a lot of historical markers throughout the town that I think would be interesting for people to, uh, you know, history On a books tour. to go around. Yeah, do mm-hmm. a tour with the Franklin County Historical Society. Right, right. Yep.
1: Interesting. We're thinking about putting one together, but
2: you more definitely should. They do at the more uh, of a ghost tour <laughs> at the uh, Heritage Center. I think they have they some do. walking tour uh, brochures. You can. But I you don't.
1: I, I think it concentrates on the, the earlier time period okay. when the chamber is found. Um, I don't know if there's so much about civil war the Civil War, and partly because you know you can take people to a, a place and say, "Well, this is where it used to be," but it was burned.
2: Right, not
0: <laughs> as <know>. compelling. <laughs> no, not
1: quite. <laughs> That's why sometimes I like to go and look at these little towns around here, like Greencastle and Mercersburg and look at the lovely little homes around the towns. Mm, yeah, because. We, you know, the downtown area lost that. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that is one sad thing for our downtown, that a lot of beautiful buildings uh, didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, it's been a fascinating conversation as always, Anne. Thank you again so much for coming. Thank Um, you for having me. Yeah, no, we (laughs) love having you. You have some things to
2: promote. Are you going to go ahead? Yeah, tell tell us what it means that the cat is back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I think maybe everybody will know what that means because we used to have um, Halloween at the old jail yeah. the, uh, many years ago, and it was kind of stopped. I'm not quite sure if it was late 90s. Um, I'm not quite sure when the last one was. Um, a lot of service organizations and Boy Scouts helped put that together, um, but it was stopped, and there was a cat that was on the front door above the front door and that was just a symbol Mm -hmm. and everybody knew what it was we can't find that original cat so that's why we're saying the cat is back and we have another cat (laughs) as close as possible to the one that was there um and so we're having halloween at the haunted jail on october 26th and 27th and november 2nd and 3rd from 7 to 10 p.m Adults um, ten dollars, kids twelve and under six dollars. It's at the old jail, and you will be entering on the second street side. Um, I do want to caution- this is going to be pretty scary, so I do want to caution anybody with little children because um,
0: it's the real deal.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. it is the real deal, and
2: you so know, I, I know. Pa- how I
1: know parents have called me before when we've done ghost stories and mm-hmm. said. Um, is something going to jump out at my kid? You know, mm-hmm. and I would say no, but I can't say that now because something, will. something might <laughs> jump is out it going at into your the basement? little one. Oh, definitely. Okay. We'll be in the, the dungeon.
0: <laughs> yeah, that basement is creepy.
1: Oh, not only that, but we've also, our president, Neil, Neil Wrench, he is really into the architecture of the jail and he has found the root cellar and opened that up oh, wow. and we're trying to find the tunnel now too oh cool so
0: wow
2: uh, this is amazing. really
1: exciting
2: yeah mm-hmm. so we were talking you know six to eight year olds maybe but i guess parents mm. parents can make that call they better, parents. Be, they better be tough parents yeah. should make the decision
1: <laughs> yes i mean we're you know making that disclaimer right now yeah all mm-hmm.
0: right fair enough well again thanks for coming on the show Thank and you. I'll throw it to you, Jeremy. No,
2: I don't have much other than uh, send us an email, uh, progresspod at gmail.com if you have any questions or show ideas. And uh, find us online at progresspod.org and on Twitter at The Progress Pod. Thanks, Anne, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.